This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast, with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. By fans, for fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. It is April 27th, 2021. Not our typical Monday. We're recording on a Tuesday. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, what it do? What up, man? Oh, not much. I, uh, I'm i having a lot of fun right now, Jonathan. I can't lie to you. I'm li- having a lot of fun because teams are are winning that we want to win and teams that are teams are losing that we prefer to lose. We love the Orlando Magic, but for the good of the future, we've been rooting for losses now full steam ahead, right? You've got your you got your tank helmet, all that. Um the Magic did uh you know, a, a decent job of 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 losing games this past week. So, uh can't really ask for much more. There's a lot of teams coming down the stretch here too, Jonathan, that are just like that are just going to end up playing each other, like that are in the bottom. I know that the Magic have a couple of those games, right? Yeah, we're still I think, we uh, played the um the Pistons in like a week. We still play the, the Timberwolves, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we do. Yep. Yeah, I don't T-Wolves know that I would call 9th. it fun. <laughs> I would say when, when those wins or, or losses happen, I'm more so relieved. Like when the you know, the Pistons won the other night and then the you know, the Magic just needed well, last night the Magic just needed to lose to the Lakers. Once that was secured, I was like, Okay, that's good. And then the Timberwolves, it looked like they were about to to lose. They were down think it was one or, or two with like five seconds left and D'Angelo Russell gets a, a open layup like Rudy Gobert just completely left the paint D'Angelo Russell gets the layup and the the Timberwolves beat the Jazz for the third time this year and that was really just like a relief and the last 11 games it's just going to be like stressful and then more stress or relief I, I don't know that I would call it fun I don't I don't know that I'm going to be ready to have fun until after the draft lottery I'm I'm gonna to be honest with you have fun box watching Timberwolves Rockets tonight. That's gonna be stressful. But I I mean at this point Rockets are uh, without Wall um, for the remainder. So T Wolves favored by two tonight. T Wolves right now are what is it half a game behind Orlando. So they win and Magic are then tied for second worst. And then uh, the Magic play again tomorrow, so they have Magic have a chance realistically to be bottom two within the next twenty four hours. Well, the last ten games, the Timberwolves are four and six, so they're starting to get a little bit better. You know, Carl Anthony Towns is back. D'Angelo Russell seems like he's getting back into a rhythm. Anthony Edwards has been playing a little bit better lately, so the t- there's a good chance that the Magic could end up lower than the Timberwolves. I don't think we're going to be able to catch the Rockets at this point. Especially since no, now they've full tank. said that John Wall is, yeah, he's done for the rest of the season. But the thing to remember is it doesn't matter. If you're in the, the bottom three, that's the only thing that matters. Obviously, if you end up one, lowest that you can end up is like fifth. If you end up, you know, second, the lowest you can end up is sixth and, and stuff like that as teams kind of, you know, can jump their way into the top four in the lottery. But, yeah, um, it's going to be fun. We're, we're just going to have to watch really quickly before Luke and I start to get into this. Just a couple of plugs. The Big Choom shirt, the anomalous rookie tee is now available on the sixmanshow.com slash shop. Uh, Michael Thompson, a listener of the show, a, a friend of the show, he just put an absolutely filthy design together for us. Uh, you guys definitely go and cop that. Always a big help. Supports the show. The show is not free for us to run. I'm not sure if you guys are aware of that. So any support really helps out a lot. And then reviews. If you guys haven't left us a review on Apple Podcasts, if you listen on your iPhone or uh, whatever, Apple Podcasts review ratings always go a long way. If you haven't done that yet, literally pause the show right now. Don't listen to another second. Go and leave us a rating and review, preferably five stars, obviously. Uh, But that is a huge help to the show as well. But, Luke, before we start talking about the magic Everyone knows that you and I are are big UFC fans. And this past weekend, UFC 261, the main card at least was absolutely insane. So I know you're aware of everything that happened, but I know you had some friends in town this weekend. 
were you able to watch the entire card? I know you have a pretty good grasp on everything that happened, but usually you watch yeah. these main events. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were running late on Saturday night to my friend's house to watch uh, it all together. But I did. We, we So we, we started out with, I think the first fight we saw was uh, Randy Brown and Alex Oliveira, uh, which ended in submission. And then the craziness really got picked up in that next fight that we were in time to see, which was Anthony Smith um, against Jimmy Crute, um, which was insane. Um, as far as a- Anthony Smith wins by TKO, um, just kind of in a way that like you, you hope a fight doesn't end that way. Um, but, but Anthony Smith trains, uh, I believe in Omaha or is from Omaha, um, which is obviously where I, where I live. So, um, I usually am cheering for Anthony Smith and it was good to see him get a win. Um, Anthony Smith, which is insane, has now 51 fights under his belt. Um, which is insane for any UFC fighter. He is uh, 35 and 16. So, um, and that was Jimmy Crute's second loss of his in the you know in the UFC. So, pretty crazy, man. Did did you did you get to you saw the Anthony Smith fight too? Yeah, I, I started. Um, I think the first fight that I saw was the Oliveira fight, um, like the last fight before the main card started. Watching right. the prelims. If you guys aren't aware of what happened with the Anthony fit Anthony Smith, excuse me, and Jimmy Crute fight. Basically, towards the, like it, it was pretty pretty even that first round, and then uh, you know Jimmy Crute was landing some some good jabs, Anthony Smith was was hitting him with the the front leg kicks, and then I don't know was it a minute or like thirty seconds left in the first round, he Anthony hit uh, Jimmy Crute with like a perfectly placed uh, like kick to his quad or to his hamstring, and yeah. like you you thought that Jimmy Crute's leg ju- it just like turned into wet spaghetti. He's like turning his ankle. He tackles Anthony Smith. They go down on the floor. You can see that Crute had no like no strength in his leg. He's trying to stay on top of this guy and just wait for the end of the round. And he handled it his well. Leg would like wake back up, dude. He was an animal. I couldn't. He I'm was like, nuts. I can't believe this guy is still fighting. Like I, to go into like the his, clinch and get him just, up against the fence like that was insane. After what he knew had already happened, um, I think something similar happened with uh, my boy Sean O'Malley. Um, where he, uh, against his fight against, um, what's his name? Um, what's his name? I'm blanking right now. Regardless, Sean O'Malley had, had his fight, uh, a couple months ago and, you know, did the same type of thing, came back on his leg and realized like it just wasn't good. And, but the difference was his leg was done, um, showed the strength of Jimmy Crute because, Sean O'Malley's not a wimp either. None of these guys in the UFC are. But Jimmy Crute to to have the presence of mind to get that that fight close to where he didn't have to do as much and try to sit on him, wait till the round's over. He got to the end of the round, and then the worst part to me to watch was him trying to walk it off in his corner and it telling everybody, bad. "Get away! I'm fine. I'm fine." Um, but then the best moment I think of the of the night really. Um, was Anthony Smith going up to Jimmy Crute, getting on his knees with him across from him and kind of just holding him by the face and just talking to him. Um, I think he he probably just reassured him, you know, you're a stud. Uh, I hate that it had to go this way, blah, 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 blah. I mean, Jimmy Crute's a young guy. Anthony Smith is definitely the epitome of a veteran in the UFC. Um, so Anthony Smith, class act all the way around. Jimmy Crute, absolute stud. Um, but then Jonathan, things didn't get any better in the UFC <laughs> as uh, got, Weidman it, had dude, the, the most unfortunate so much loss worse. of the night. Yeah, and unfortunately, it was like it was foreshadowing for the, how the entire weekend was going to go. Really, we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But yeah, 17 seconds into the Chris uh, Weidman Uriah, Uriah Hall fight, Chris Weidman goes for a, a leg kick. Uriah Hall lifts his leg to to check the kick. And Chris Weidman's like lower half of his leg just snapped in half. Not unlike what happened to Anderson Silva in the fight with Chris Weidman a few years back. And then Weidman tries to step back and his leg just went like straight ninety degree yeah. angles. It was really horrific to to see that. And you you feel for Weidman and Uriah Hall after the fight was re- really, really classy about the whole thing. But yeah, that was that was really tough to watch. And then the very next fight, uh Valentina Shevchenko versus uh, Jessica Andrade, Valentina Shevchenko just dominated Jessica Andrade to the point where I'm like, okay, we're three fights into this card now. The, the first two fights ended like super abruptly, and the third fight was just complete domination. 
And I was like, are we going to get any good fights on this card? And Luke, you tried to hit me with like the old takes exposed on Twitter. I wouldn't say any of these fights were like good. They, they had some good finishes, especially the, the, the final two fights, but they weren't necessarily good fights. Am I wrong there? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would classify it as good fights. Um, I think the Usman-Masvidal fight was fun because of the, like you said, great finishes. But I do think great finishes in sports do make you think that the game, or the match, whatever it might be, was good as well. Um, but but that, you know, with Rose Namajunas, you know, Thug Rose, I'm a huge fan of, of Rose. And to see her go in as an underdog um, – and to win that strawweight title fight you know, via via K- TKO, I mean via K- KO, I mean it's like she's 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 incredible. She was incredible. Uh, she had a fight a little bit a while ago where she like you know broke her nose and her orbital bone and still ended up winning the fight. She's she's insane. So that that was a great um, that was a fun fight. It didn't last very long. It lasted four minutes, um, but it was pretty great. Uh, and then obviously you get into the Usman Masvidal fight, where you know nobody thinks Usman's gonna knock out Masvidal. At least usually a rational human being didn't think he was gonna get knocked out. Um, and Usman did the opposite of probably what Masvidal trained for during his whole camp, which was you know you know trying to escape the clinch, get a, you know try to get near the fence so he can use his weight and use the fence to get up. Um, you know, all the things that he probably practiced in camp went out the window when Usman just came in with a haymaker and put him to sleep. You know, I, I've seen so many hilarious memes, though, too. Like, uh, there's one of, like, a Gatorade bottle where the cap is, like, bent to the side. And then there's a side-by-side with Masvidal where his head is, like, tucked into his shoulder after he gets night-nighted by Usman. But, I mean, that there were, there were some pretty incredible finishes to make up for and otherwise, you know, not great main card. Yeah, I was nervous going into the the Zhang Wei Li and, and Rose Nami Yunus fight just because I saw what what Zhang did to to Joanna in their fight with the the huge forehead, you know, swelling that, that the mega mind type stuff, um, literally. And then um, yeah. you know Rose Nami Yunus when she was you know the last championship fight that she had. Uh, what Jessica Andrade did to her, you know, dropping her on her head, and I'm a big fan of Rose, but I was I was worried because I I believe that that uh, Zhang Weili she's she's a machine, like she is a beast, yeah. and I think she still showed that, but uh, that head kick when when she went out, I was like, let's go, just Dude. like screaming and everything like that. Obviously, it was late here, and then Carmen, who has been watching a lot of the UFC events with me lately, is be- quickly becoming a big fan, even though she hates like seeing these people get hurt but it's just so exciting that she she loves watching it um so before the the Usman Masvidal fight Joe Rogan is is speaking and he's like Masvidal has never been stopped in his career (laughs) and Carmen comes out of the room she's like all right now I'm staying up because now that he said that something crazy is going to (laughs) happen and as soon as Usman landed that right hand and you just saw the explosion of sweat come off of Masvidal's head I knew it was a wrap and uh, yeah, just really, real. That was just one of the most eventful cards we've ever had. Obviously, with what happened to Jimmy Chute, and then Weidman breaking his leg, Valentina Shevchenko just dominating. But then you know the way that those last two fights finished, maybe not the best fights that we've ever had had on a card, but definitely like the most eventful. And then fifteen thousand people in Jacksonville, whatever it was, like regardless of of what you think of COVID at this point. It was just really cool to, like, even through the TV to witness that atmosphere and the the level of excitement that they had and the the Jake Paul chants during you know the whole thing was incredible. Now, uh, Logan Paul is going to be fighting Floyd Mayweather. I hope that's an actual fight and not like what we saw out of you know Mike Tyson and, and Roy Jones Jr. Where it was like, hey, no headshots. Like, I hope Mayweather just does Logan Paul it's- dirty. It's gonna go, and to I the hope end. the the I, Cormier and Jake Paul like MMA fight happens. I hope they don't box. I hope they fight. That'd be amazing. There's, it, Jake Paul, would no be chance, the no dumb, chance of that happening. Dumbest human being on the planet to step in a ring. UFC rules with DC. That would be the dumbest thing he could ever do. But I'd pay for that just to so see cool. Jake Paul get what he has coming. 
Um, I can't stand him. I know there's some people that are like, oh, I, I don't get why he has all this hate, which is hilarious because he deserves a lot of it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, UFC been a lot of fun. I got into it at the start of quarantine and COVID last year um, and haven't looked back since. We've got really good fights. Um, you know, main events coming up. Adesanya fights again against Vittori. Um, that's their second. The style that'll, bender. <laughs> that'll, that'll, that'll be yeah, fun. I, and it's then, just kind of weird to me that he that he, you know, chose to fight Vittori again. But whatever. Right. I thought it was um, gonna be maybe you know Robert Whitaker. But yeah. Oh, and well, then uh, capping it off with another show uh, for him to put on. July tenth, Poirier and McGregor, uh, the third one, and um, I'm excited about it solely because the other day. Well, not only just for that fight, Sean O'Malley tweeted out the other day and just said, like, you know, hinted, or didn't even hint, said, I've got a fight offer on the table for the night of the card of uh, Poirier and McGregor, which would just increase that night's hype even more for me um, because Sean O'Malley is going to end up being a, a terror in the UFC. Um, I think he should be in the top 15 if they haven't released rankings for his division yet, but uh, after his last fight. But, yeah, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm glad he bounced back from that injury. But, uh, you know, uh, enough UFC talk. If you're uh, if you're ready to move on, Jonathan. Yeah, I mean, the only other thing that we wanted to touch on before we start breaking down the magic is that Thursday is the NFL draft. Luke is a huge college football fan. I'm a big New York Giants fan. But Luke, you know, seems to have a, a race or a horse in this race, I should say, with Kyle Pitts is going to be in this draft, Kadarius Toney. Kyle Trask mm-hmm. any yeah. thoughts on where you think those guys are going to go where you want them to end up um I would love for uh Kyle Pitts to end up in Atlanta um I know there's a lot of memes about Atlanta and the team that Atlanta is but there's a lot of a lot of great position players on the Atlanta Falcons so to see Pitts get added to that that offense probably would just that would put them I think over the top in terms of you know offensive execution, um, things like that, and Kadarius Tony probably going to go at the end of the first round, um, and that's well deserved. I mean, he's a playmaker. He's a guy that you know route running is elite now. It wasn't a couple seasons ago. At least we didn't get to see it. He was more of a guy that got the ball on handoffs or reverses and things like that. But now Dan Mullen really tapped into Kadarius Tony and the wide receiving core. Uh, the coaches type tapped into. Kadarius is, you know, elite level that he could get to. And um, and people debate about if he's a leader or not. And um, he was electrifying in, in college, especially this past season with such a high-flying offense. Um, so to get to see him go at the end of the first round um, would be awesome because there's a, you know, before the beginning of the year, I don't think, I doubt Tony was mock draft first round anywhere. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've seen – a lot of people have him going like 29th range to the Packers, which would be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see. Are, where are you uh, hoping? Who are you hoping that the Giants land? Was it the 11 pick? Yeah, we're picking 11th. And really quickly, just on Kadarius Tony, you mentioned yeah. the Packers. Since Aaron Rodgers has been the starting quarterback for the Packers, the Packers have never used a first round pick on a receiver. Mm. So that would be a really big deal, especially after. You know, what was it last year, the year before, you know, they, they drafted, was it Jordan Love, uh, who yeah. it looked like was going to be Rodgers' replacement, and the guy goes out and wins the MVP. So hard to hard to argue against Tom Brady and, and Aaron Rodgers right now at this state in their careers. But for the Giants, uh, obviously they added Kenny Galladay, added uh, Kyle Rudolph. So you still have Sterling Shepard, you still have Darius Slayton, you've got Evan Ingram, who I'm not a huge fan of. But you've got Saquon Barkley coming back. So the offense from a skill position aspect should be ready to go. The only question marks with this team right now is Daniel Jones, who I believe in. I believe if he has time in the pocket, yes, he could improve with his decision-making at times. But the offensive line, if he doesn't have an offensive line and he's running for his life like he was a lot of the time last year and the the year before that, it's going to be hard for him to have a lot of success. So I'm hoping at 11, um, it looks like Panay Sewell uh, from Oregon, he's going to be gone. Uh, but then Rashawn Slater is the other offensive lineman t- that's talked about going in like the top 10 to, to 12 there. So if he's there, I think that would probably be my pick just because the offense at that point like really should be solid in every aspect. Uh, there's a lot of talk about the organization and, and Dave Gettleman 
being fans of like Micah Parsons, who you know you can't really argue with a, that kind of pick there. But they're looking at a few other guys defensively. For me, if you're not gonna go off, if you're not gonna go offensive line, if you're looking at a guy like a, a Jalen Waddle or a Devontae Smith or any of those guys, those top tier receivers, I wouldn't be mad at, at those picks whatsoever um, either. You, you know, you you pair them with Kenny Galladay and Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton. And I, I think you're looking at, you know, arguably one of the, the best, you know, receiving cores, um, definitely probably in the NFC East, but um, maybe in the NFC as a whole. So Thursday, it's always going to be exciting. I don't know what it is like after the after our pick, like after the the Magic's pick in the, the NBA draft each year, I kind of lose interest almost like immediately. With the NFL draft, I always watch like the entire first round. I don't know what it is about the NFL draft. That makes it so exciting, but I'll yeah. be excited to see that. Um, really just excited for uh, football season as the Magic kind of let us down this year. Um, but let's get into the Magic, Luke. So our weekly state of the Magic. So since our last episode, the Magic have gone 0-4 with losses to Atlanta, New Orleans, Indiana, and the Lakers last night to bring them to 18-43 and on the season. With a Pistons win over Atlanta last night, Orlando now has sole possession of the third worst record in the league. They now have a three-way tie with Houston and Minnesota. They all have a 52.1% chance of ending up in the top four and a 14% chance of ending up with the number one overall pick. And with that, Luke, we are going to – I'm going to go ahead and share my screen here like we do on Zoom each week. Let's see it. We're going to run the the tankathon here with these Mm -hmm. updated lottery odds. Are you able to see this here, Luke? Yeah, yeah, I got you. Are you able to see my screen here? All right. Yeah. So Houston, Minnesota, Orlando, one, two, and three. Again, each with a fifty-two point one percent chance of ending up in the top four, uh, and then a fourteen percent chance of ending up number one overall. Right now, in the uh, lottery odds, Chicago is eighth, which the pick would convey to the Magic. Right now, they are twenty-six and thirty-five. They have a twenty-three point five percent chance of ending up in the top four, which would be catastrophic, as the pick would then not convey to the Magic. They have a 5.3% chance of the number one overall pick. Before yeah, we send on, this lottery, Luke, any last words? Yeah, you better find that tank helmet and put it on. Come on, man. I don't want to do that no, this week. No, it's uncomfortable. No, no I don't, I don't Jonathan, like it. Just, All right. Just where, where is it? Just get it out. He, Jonathan's going to get it. You, you can't give up now. We're too close to the end to stop with the uh, the tank commander stuff. You know, we The fans want it. All right. They love it. I love it. I they can't even see it. I, I'm not. I'm not recording the video right now, so they can't. It doesn't see matter. It. This is just for me, Jonathan. I don't know what you don't understand right. about this. Literally, <laughs> the sticker. The sticker is falling off of this. So, all right, here we go. Everyone knows the rules. You get one sim. Mm-hmm. If you do more than one sim, don't bother sharing it. Here we go. Facts. And the magic. Oh my God! This no, is bad, brother. Fifth overall, the Chicago pick ended up ninth overall which would convey to the Magic. Toronto first, then Houston, Minnesota, Detroit, Orlando, Oklahoma City, Cleveland, Sacramento, and then the Magic again would pick at nine. Not great, Luke. That's definitely not what we want. Literally the only thing I feel like that could make this worse is if Chicago got like the fourth pick and Orlando got the fifth. That'd be the only thing that would make that worse. Um, but who knows? Then maybe you package up, try to trade up to at least three. I don't really know. But... um. Yeah, not great, not great, not our best spin. I think our fir- our best spin was like our first spin that we ever did. Um, I don't remember exactly what the result was, but it was a heck of a lot better than that. And the Magic had worst odds of getting a top four pick, and they had one. So there's that. Yeah, not what you want exactly, but with the fifth pick, you're probably ending up, you know, with like a Jonathan Kaminga, which things could be much worse yeah. than pairing Jonathan Kaminga with Jonathan Isaac, Wendell Carter Jr., potentially Gary Harris next year. Like if if that if those four guys are starters for you, like defensively you're going to be a top ten I, team in the league, no questions asked. I think if you get Jonathan Kuminga and you put him next to Jonathan Isaac, you have to keep Mo Wagner, um, so that the Mo's stay together and the Jonathans stay together, and at that point it's just one big meme. You know what do you think? So you're jumping ahead a little bit, so we'll we'll just get into the the quick <laughs> magic news here. Uh, Saturday, it was announced that Magic head coach Steve Clifford tested positive for COVID. First tested positive Thursday night and then had two negative tests on Friday. 
but then again tested positive on Saturday. He has missed the past two games with assistant head coach Tyrone Corbin filling in. Clifford will not travel to Cleveland for the game tomorrow night. By all reports, Cliff feels fine, totally asymptomatic, had a Zoom call with reporters. He's feeling fine. Uh, Obviously, we hope a a speedy recovery for Cliff and that he continues to feel fine. He already had one round of the vaccine, so that might have something to do with him feeling fine during his spout with what seems to be COVID. Again, when you have positive and the negative tests, who really knows what's going on? Uh, And then on Friday, the Magic signed Dante Hall to a second 10-day contract. And then today, the Magic waved forward Robert Franks to make room for what Luke just alluded to, to sign free agent Mo Wagner. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. And then Luke is going to take away with the injury report. Uh, Otto Porter, yeah, continues to not be on the court for the Magic. Uh, Has appeared in three games and just has still remained out with that foot injury. Um, MCW, still out with a sprain uh, of his left ankle. Missed the last six games as a result. James Ennis, questionable for tomorrow's game in Cleveland with a sore calf. He's missed the last four. Terrence Ross is doubtful to play tomorrow with back spasms. Missed the last four as well. Um, then Devin Kennedy had a, a atrocious injury um, last night and is out with a compound fracture to his right ankle. Um, had surgery yesterday, Monday, um, and is expected to make a full recovery. So, Hate it for a guy like Devin Kennedy who has worked so hard to get to the point where he is in his career, coming from the G League, winning the G League championship, not only winning the G League championship, but being the finals MVP. And then to have his year end like this uh, really seems pretty cruel. But, you know, is what it is, I guess, with basketball and um, the risk you, you know, you run playing the sport. And people are blaming a lot of, you know, injuries this year. It's been, I think, the most injuries um, that the NBA has had in a very long time, and a lot of people are blaming it on the condensed 72-game schedule. So actually, um, I think I was listening to either the the mismatch with Kevin O'Connor and, and Chris Verner, or it was the Bill Simmons podcast. I can't remember, but there was a, a report that the NBA actually put out stating that um, injuries, are, the rate of injuries is actually down mm. this year um, compared to other years. So they're to us, it definitely seems like, especially if you're following the Magic, it just feels like everybody on the team. Like last night, I was going through this with Carmen. You go back to the beginning of the year. So Al Farouk Aminu was still out. Uh, Aaron Gordon wasn't able to play back-to-backs as he was still coming back from the hamstring issue. James Ennis was missing time at the beginning of the year with the hamstring issue. Uh, what was it? Eight games into the season, Markel Fultz tears his ACL. A few games before that, Evan Fournier started to have back spasms. Terrence Ross started the season with some knee issues. It's not long after Markel Fultz tears his ACL. I think it was about three weeks or a month later. Aaron Gordon had the really bad ankle sprain. Michael Carter-Williams was dealing with some foot issues at the beginning of the year. Cole Anthony had the the broken rib. Chuma Okiki had the the bone bruise to his knee. So it's literally like the entire season we've been fending off injuries at, at one time or another. So... For us, it feels like it's just been everybody the entire season, but apparently the data says that injuries are down. But yeah, Sunday night against the Pacers, Devin Kennedy goes up to contest a shot, comes down awkwardly on his ankle, and it just it just snapped in half, basically. There's no other way to put that. You, could, you heard him scream, obviously, which was terrible. You saw blood on the floor. Mo Bamba very, very you know smartly and compassionately rips off his jersey, covers... Devin's foot and and ankle one so that no one else could see the injury but also so that Devin wouldn't see that and that would be you know traumatizing in itself but yeah really serious injury really dangerous injury but luckily again he had surgery yesterday supposed to make a full recovery uh still on the two-way contract I'm hoping I I don't two-way contracts is that like a year-to-year thing Luke do you know or you know yeah I'm hoping basically the magic will either sign him to another two-way next year or I like Devin. I like him a lot. You know, he has a potential to be a really good shooter. We're definitely guard heavy right now, but it just sucks that his season ended like that. Yeah. So as far as I know, Jonathan, two way contracts are you know one year. You know, the the player can spend a maximum of forty five days with the NBA team that you know that wants his services. Basically, um, yeah. So I, which I think they extended that for this year a little bit, but I'm sure next year it will go back to that. Right. So, um, 
so yeah, it's it, it, from what I understand and what I've seen, um, it's basically two ways are good for the year, and then you you know re up next year if you want to. Um, but a lot of times, I mean, a lot of time that that two way player changes, and I think a lot of that is to do with the fact that they only sign for you know you're only one year. Yeah. So again, prayers up to Devin Kennedy. He he seems like he's in great spirits, which is always good to see. Like we saw that with Jonathan Isaac. We saw that with Markel like immediately after their injuries, you know, posting the Instagram and everything that, you know, they appreciate the support. And that night it was it, not funny, but you saw Devin Kennedy, Mo Bamba tweeted out a screenshot of a FaceTime call with, I think it was RJ, Chuma, Cole, Jonathan Isaac, Mo, and Devin. There might be someone that I'm missing, but Devin is laying in the hospital bed, still in his magic jersey. Yeah. Like, they literally took him off the floor, got him onto the stretcher, and took him right to the hospital. So, you know, he was still sitting there, you know, in his magic jersey laying in the hospital, which is just, just a really weird thing to see. But, again, hope Devin makes a full recovery. The guy is definitely a, a worker, a, a fighter, a grinder. So um, best wishes out to him. So, Luke, just to recap this week really quickly, it was really just a week of blowouts. 112-96 uh, loss to the Hawks on Tuesday. A 135 to 100 loss to the Pelicans on Thursday, 131 to 112 loss to the Pacers on Sunday, and then last night Monday a 114 to 103 loss to the Lakers. So that game against the Lakers is probably the best basketball the Magic have played in like two yeah. weeks. They were actually they were down 16 in the first half, came back to take the lead, were competitive you know throughout the third and fourth quarter, and in the last five minutes really Dennis Schroeder took over, uh, extended the lead for the Lakers, and and the Magic just. Weren't able to to win the game, but um, yeah. So today, really, the the big news of the day is the Mo Wagner signing. So Mo Wagner, if you guys you know haven't really followed him much in his career, played uh, at Michigan, was drafted to the Lakers, uh, traded to the Wizards, I believe. Uh, also played for the the Celtics as well this year. So the Magic are now his fourth team in the past three years. His career averages six and a half points per game, three point two rebounds. Shoots 49.2% from the floor and 30.2% from the three-point line for his career. So, Luke, Woj tweeted out that he's a forward, but by all accounts, you look at his size, 6'11". On basketball reference, he's listed as a center. So, it's kind of a weird signing to me. Like, even when I saw that we signed him, I was like, okay, this is kind of strange, whatever. It's probably not really a big deal one way or the other, but... This leads me to believe because Wendell Carter missed a game last week with a with a sprained ankle with a sore ankle, and then I believe it was last night rolled his ankle again. So this makes me feel like Wendell Carter might be about to miss some time. We've needed more forward depth really lately. It's it's really been down to to Chuma and James Ennis, and James Ennis has been missing a lot of time with the calf injury the last four games. So really, your only true power forward on the team right now is Chuma Okiki. You look at you know Dante Hall and, and Robert Franks; those guys are probably more fives than they are fours. But what what is your take on the Mo Wagner signing? Um, I don't I don't know that I uh, really get it. Um, other than maybe you know WCJ is going to be out for a little bit. Um, you know we already have you know T Ross and and those guys out. Um, you know, NS, MCW. I mean, you just got a lot of guys out, and I don't know. Maybe I, I really don't know. I haven't really taken the time to sit down and try to rack my brain about why, you know, Mo Wagner's on this team. But, it, you know, whatever. Let's let's ride. Let's finish the season. There's not many games left. I really don't have a, a take that's going to blow you away about the signing whatsoever. Well, the signing itself doesn't really blow me away, so I think that's that's totally fine. Uh, again, I think it's got to be Wendell's about to miss some yeah. time. I'm hoping this isn't a guy that's going to compete with Mo Bamba for minutes because there's 11 games left in the season. They've signed Mo Wagner for the rest of the season, so it's going to be 11 games. Just just let it play out. Like let what's already happening just happen, you know. I think you know, he shouldn't be competing with Wendell or or with Mo. It's you know, 11 game flyer tryout whatever. But I think Wendell, you know, must be about to miss some time. That's the only thing that really makes a ton of sense to me. But then again, like we all know that you're tanking at this point. 
Um, I mean, you've got Dante Hall. You've got Robert Franks, who you just waved. So I don't really get this. Hopefully we'll get some type of explanation. Sometimes in the, like the press release that the Magic put out, they, they kind of you know allude to or explain the thinking behind the move, which there really wasn't any of that in the press release that went out today. So I don't know. Hopefully he, he comes out and, and balls for us and we have another guy moving forward. But anyways, Luke, I think the big story of the week and the, the big story from the last, you know, really day is now the Magic have fallen into the bottom three in the NBA standings across the league. So Houston, worst record in the league. Minnesota, we're like right there with them. You know, if they happen to win tonight, we might be up like a half game or something like that on them. But with the Detroit win last night and us losing to the Lakers, we are now we like we don't have to worry about us losing and then Detroit losing or us winning and then Detroit winning like as long as we keep losing we're going to have control over where we end up you know in regards to the bottom 3 so um what what what's your thoughts on the magic finally ending up in the bottom 3 again 11 games left for the rest of the year we're going to play Detroit still we're going to play Minnesota so i think this gives you as good odds as you can get to get a top number one overall pick, but 52% of ending up in the top four is better than 48% chance of ending up in the top four. What about you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at, at this point, you want a top three worst record in the league. Um, the, there's bad news and there's good news. The The bad news is the Magic are like middle of the pack and strength of schedule remaining. Would love it a lot more if the Magic were like where Houston is and Houston is like third. Um, according to Tankathon, and then, but the, the good news is, Jonathan, Minnesota being only a half a game behind Orlando has the twenty fourth, you know, um, in that list. So y- you got to think that Minnesota has some, you know, more winnable games than the Magic. Maybe not by much, but not by much is all you need when you have only you know ten, eleven games left in the season, um, as the Timberwolves just tipped off against the Rockets and are tied two to two. Yeah, obviously you're not going to catch the Rockets, so we're three game, three full games up on the Rockets, and as we talked about earlier, now they're going to be sitting John Wall for the rest of the year. Again, you still have that game against Minnesota. You play Detroit within a week from now, so definitely think you have to lose that game to Detroit. Minnesota, again, to me, as long as you end up in the top three, you don't have to worry about that. The team that we still have to worry about and continue to look over our shoulders at is going to be Oklahoma City who have now lost 14 in a row. Uh, they're tanking really, really hard, and they're you know they're going to be trying to get into the bottom three for sure. Uh, I believe like if Houston falls out of the top three or top four, their pick goes to Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. And I think if Minnesota falls out of the top three, their, their pick goes to Golden State. So I think that Minnesota-Houston game – as it gets into like the late third and fourth quarter, that's probably going to be one of the ugliest games of the entire season on the NBA calendar. Yeah. Neither of those teams should want to win that game. In my opinion, I think the only encouraging or really the most encouraging sign is that last night against one of the best defensive teams in the league in the Lakers, not at full strength, but you have Anthony Davis, who's probably when he's healthy, one of the top five, maybe even top three players in the entire league. So you were competitive with them like late into the fourth quarter and then Dennis Schroeder just kind of goes crazy and and they end up winning that game. But I was starting to get concerned this week with a huge loss to the the Hawks, Pelicans, you know, pretty season reasonable loss to the Pacers. Um, As we talked last week, you just start to get concerned that, you know, maybe these guys aren't that good that we have. Maybe they all suck and we're not as far along in this rebuild as we thought maybe, you know, three or four weeks ago. But the, the fight that they showed last night against the Lakers was pretty encouraging. But like you said, there's not many games left in the season. Bottom three odds. You want the team to be competitive, but like it's it's really time to, to I don't want to say root against the team, but big picture, you're hoping for losses. Yeah. Right? Like I'm watching the game. Chuma pulls up. Cole pulls up. I'm still hoping that the ball goes in. Right? Like I'm not hoping these guys miss or anything like that. But before the game, I'm like, you know what? It's probably best if we lose tonight. I, I, I'm not going to lie about that. What's that? I said misses help, you know? Yeah, misses, misses help, obviously. But I, I can't I can't root 
actively for a no, miss. But one one last thing I wanted to ask you, Luke, before we just kind of talk about the schedule to finish the year is Cole Anthony, and I don't have the numbers in, in front of me really to, to back this up right now, um, given the last couple of games. Uh, but I checked the numbers earlier this week, and Cole is, I think, it, like less than eight feet with like close to the rim. And nobody quote me on this because I could be remembering this incorrectly or I just could be completely full of crap at this point. But it was something like 68% within eight feet to the rim. He's he's finishing like the last like five games or something like that. I'll have to go back and, and look this up. We'll talk more about this last week. But the beginning of the season when Cole was still struggling to shoot the ball, the other thing that we are saying is he's not great at finishing at the rim. He, he can get to his spots, but he wasn't finishing at the rim. He wasn't finishing through contact. And lately, the shot's really not falling, but he's getting to the rim. He's finishing through contact. He's converting on difficult finishes. Like he's looked so much better lately at getting to the rim. Yeah, yeah, he he has looked really good um, getting to the rim and and, and finishing. Um, but I think Jonathan, the bigger thing that stands out to me is his assist to turnover ratio, which we touched on a little bit last week, but it continued. I mean, he, he you know, he this for on the year he's you know got like um, four point five assists to one point eight turnovers, but. His last few games, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I saw somewhere it was like 31, 39 assists and, and like nine turnovers or something like that. I don't know if that's right. Um, however, I mean, he his assist to turnover ratio has been the most impressive thing to me. Um, that even though his shot isn't falling, Cole is still um, you know averaging a high amount you know, a high amount of assists comparatively to turnovers. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about this for a few weeks now, but really the only issue that I'm having with Cole is just that the three-point shot is not falling. Like, he's doing everything else well. Last night, you see everybody really hustling, Chuma especially, Cole diving on the floor for a loose ball, Anthony Davis like coming down on top of him. He's he's competing defensively. He's not exactly where you want him to be, but a, a guy with his athleticism and agility, he'll get better as a defender. But apart from shooting the ball, again, you know, he's doing a good job of facilitating, hustling. He's a great rebounder for a guard and a guard of his size. And now the fact that he's finishing at the rim and he's doing that effectively, like once the three-point shot starts falling for Cole, like I don't think it's crazy to say like, you know, Cole can like basically overnight become like a 20 points per game scorer. Like maybe, maybe not per game, but a guy that on any given night can go out and get you 20. So probably like, 15 to 16 where some nights he's going to give you 13 some nights he's going to give you 20 but once the three-point shot starts falling for Cole it's going to be scary for the league like Cole is really going to start to live up to the hype and potential that he's had now for the last four or five years if he can get the three-point shot to start falling I think part of that is mechanics like he just kind of has like like the follow through is fine, but it's just the where the where he catches the ball and just like the 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 path that the ball follows before he gets to the point where he's ready to release the ball. It's almost like I don't want to say it's Lonzo, like where Lonzo had that like exaggerated where it was like all the way to the side of his head, and then at the last second he would straighten out his arm. But he kind of does bring it across his body before he releases the ball. So I think this season, if he gets with you know the Magic shooting coach and refines the form just a little bit it's not broken he just I think he needs to clean it up just a little bit and then like Cliff has been talking about all year gets a healthy offseason you know gets the the voluntary workouts in, in in September gets you know a summer league and everything like that like Cole it can improve really really quickly he's a frustrating player at times but I think that was just the beginning of the year was a rookie, was trying to get a good feel for the game, and then when he came back from the injury, again, he was just trying to get a feel for the game again, get his conditioning back. But since then, he's he's looked really, really good. I'm going to pull up those numbers. Probably not right now. I'm just um, – it, it takes forever for me to try to sort through all these stats on NBA stats just because there's five gazillion stats that you can sort by on NBA.com. But Cole has just looked so much better. Chuma last night looked amazing. He's been a little bit concerning. Uh, as of late, wasn't shooting the ball partic- particularly well. A lot of people are like, has Chuma hit the rookie wall? And Chuma was just amazing last night. Like, looked really, really good. That dunk on Andre Drummond was just phenomenal. You love to see that. Um, 
a couple of years from now when Chuma Okiki makes an uh, an all-star team over Andre Jumman. I hope that we get a Okiki tweet like we did for Vucevic. But, yeah, man, some of the young guys are starting to look really good. Even RJ, like RJ screws up a decent amount. He doesn't do anything that's like, oh, my God, this kid is trash. But he'll just, like, make a bad pass or just, like, a, a stupid turnover. But RJ, it's like every game he shows you, like, two to three flashes where you're like, man, if that kid can do that consistently, that's another kid that can be a freaking stub, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot to be excited about with this team, as we've said countless times. Uh, young guys are going to continue to grow, continue to get better. Um, and I, I think that, you know, the, the Magic are just retooling, as we've said many times as well. So um, I think the future's bright. All right, Luke, well, we've got 11 games to finish the year. Uh, three, Only three of those are going to be home games. So this week, uh, starting tomorrow, we're at Cleveland. Uh, and then on Friday, we're at Memphis. And then we're home for Memphis on a back-to-back. That's going to be Friday and Saturday. That will finish out the week. But then we're at Detroit versus Boston, at Charlotte, home for Minnesota, at Milwaukee, at Atlanta, at Philadelphia, and then at Philadelphia again to close out the season. So the Magic will be in Philadelphia for like three, maybe four days, um, depending on how the travel works out at the end of the season. But, Luke, we're in the home stretch, man. It's really been a a difficult, tough, challenging season. If you would have told us when we were 6-2 and that, what are we, how how many games is it this season? Is it 72 games this season? Yeah, we're eighteen and If you would have told us, yeah, if you would have told us that we were going to go from six and two to eighteen and forty-three, I would have bet my mortgage that there was no way that that was going to happen. And since then, obviously, devastating injuries to Markel Fultz. We're getting ready to play Cleveland on Wednesday. Last time we played Cleveland was the night that Markel Fultz tore his ACL. And then, obviously, the team is just—it's been a downward, downward spiral ever since then. Magic literally blew up the team, so. uh yeah, man, it's been rough. We've got 11 games left. Uh, I think it's a little bit more than like two, two and a half weeks left in the season. And then we just wait. We wait for uh, we wait for the lottery, and we wait for the draft. I don't know about you, Luke. When I watch other teams play basketball, especially this season, it feels like they're playing a different sport. So as we start to get into NBA playoff basketball, like it's gonna feel like watching a different sport that like the Magic are are like not capable of playing right now, but yeah, man, yeah, eleven and games it, and left. It's always home stretch. It's always been like that though. Like it's been like that for the past few years, right? Like even last year when we were in the playoffs, seeing teams like the Lakers play and 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 you know teams like that, you do watch it and you're like, this is insane. It's insane that we're in the same league, but but it doesn't feel like we're in the same league. Like, these guys have go-to scores who can get a bucket anytime they want. Um, crunch time, they've got the guy. Yeah, po- postseason is a very tender time for Magic fans because it does – you do watch a lot more basketball than you do in the, probably in the regular season, at least for the casual fan. Um, and you just see, like, wow, the Magic – like, we when are the Magic going to win a championship? Because I can't wait for basketball to look like that. So, it'll be interesting. It's been a long, long time since this looked like that, Luke. Last question I want to ask you. This kind of just came to me. So with whoever we draft, right, like if it's if it's Jalen Green, which I know we're really rooting for and hoping for, but if it's Cade or Evan Mobley or Jalen Suggs or Jonathan Kaminga, like it really needs to be one of those five guys or it's just going to be a complete disaster. But once Jonathan Isaac comes back, we have Markel Fultz back. I, I really think that next year the the, the – potential that this team has defensively is even better than what it was in 2018-19 when we I think we finished I think we finished eighth or ninth defensively I know we were in the top 10 but it might have been 11th on the on the season somewhere around there it was like the lower part of the top 10 but I feel like next year this team is definitely going to struggle to score but we have the potential to be like a top 10 defensive team do you feel like that and most of the time at the end of the season, if you look at the top 10 defensive teams, most of the time, if you end up in the top 10, you're almost always a playoff team. So I know a lot of people have been like, oh, this team's going to be terrible next year. Offensively, I definitely agree. 
But let's say our starting five next year is Markel, Gary Harris. Let's say Chuma Okiki, Jonathan Isaac, and Wendell Carter. And then, you know, coming off of the bench, you have Cole Anthony, maybe Mo Bamba, Terrence Ross, and, you know, James Ennis, whoever else you want to throw in that, that second unit. Like, that starting five is going to be incredible defensively, if that's what it ends up being. Yeah, I think that next year the the Magic have a chance to do maybe not as good, but the Magic have a chance to be like, and I can't believe I'm saying this in a positive light, they have a chance to be like the New York Knicks. In terms of the Knicks defensively are fourth in defensive rating as a team. Um, They are fourth in the Eastern Conference and have looked a lot better offensively as of late. But the team before they peaked offensively, um, you know, whatever it was, like a few weeks ago, um, that's the team the Magic could be next year with the young guys that really hustle and play defense. Um, and I think that there's a, a good chance that the Magic do make the playoffs next year as a result, like you said, and definitely agree that defensive finishing top 10 and in, in, in defenses in the league is a huge accomplishment and usually will, you know, you'll reap the rewards of playoffs. So right now I'm looking at, you know, defensive rating, like the top 10 teams, Lakers, Sixers, Jazz, Knicks, Suns, Warriors, Heat, Bucks, Grizzlies, Spurs. I think every team right now, with the exception of the Warriors, the Warriors right now, if the season ended, would be in the play-in game. I don't really count that, which now they've said the play-in game is probably going to be like a permanent fixture moving forward, which I'm not a huge fan of. But then like looking at last season, Again, so you, Milwaukee, Toronto, Lakers, Boston, Clippers, Pacers, Thunder, Sixers, Bulls were not a playoff team, but then the Brooklyn Nets. So, like, most of the time, if you end up towards the top ten, like, you've got a really good chance of being one of the, the best defensive teams in the league and going back. So, last year, Magic were 11th. The year before that, they were 8th. Made the playoffs both of those years. Again, 2018-2019. Bucks, Jazz, Pacers, Thunder, Raptors, Celtics, Heat, Magic, Grizzlies, Nuggets, most of those teams being playoff teams. So there's definitely something to be said for that. I think Jonathan Isaac alone made such a huge impact on this team when he's healthy that almost that addition in itself is going to get you pretty close to the top 10 if he is still the defender that you know we, we, we have come to know and love. But... Anyways, other than that, Luke, anything else before we sign off here? No, that's that's it. All right, Magic fans. Well, again, 11 games left, roughly two and a half, you know, three-ish weeks. And then the season's over. It's been rough, and then we're looking forward to the draft lottery. But anyways, for Luke, this has been Jonathan. Thank you guys for listening to the Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Six Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!